Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. The scripture reading tonight will come from Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39. Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39, and you can find that on page 858. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Where we kick off our summer series, we will have eight of our brothers in Christ coming to us over the course of the months of this summer on Sunday nights, uh, bringing us a series of, of what I know are going to be excellent lessons. And I'm very excited that we have Brother James Hayes with us tonight to kick off our series. I very much appreciate him being here tonight. Uh, he is a graduate of Good Pasture 1995 and a graduate of Lipscomb in 1999. He's been preaching for 22 years all in Middle Tennessee. He spent the last two years doing good work at Liberty Hill in Fairview. He is the co-author of The Voice of Faith, a teen study of the book of Psalms. Uh, I've known James for, I don't know how long that I've known you, but it's been a while. Uh, at least 20 years, more than 20 years, maybe 25. And uh, I've always appreciated and respected him. We were probably acquaintances for a lot of that time. But thankfully for the last few years, uh, I've been able to get to know him better and better. And I just look forward to even closer friendship in the future. This is a good man of God we have here with us tonight. And I know he is going to bring us an excellent lesson, so I won't take any more of your time, brother. I'm so thankful for Joshua. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for the blessing that I've already received for being here, uh, getting to talk to many of you. And it's about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, is the last time I was here. And it's always a blessing. I'm so thankful that uh, Joshua invited me to be here this evening uh, through the uh, via the elders. And so thank you for this invitation. Uh, to be part of this series. This is the first night of it, and you will hear things repeated. There's a theme that's going to be throughout this series this summer, and I will probably say, say some things this evening that you're going to hear uh, probably uh, talked about, delivered better than I will do this evening. Uh, but just know that's going to happen. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of those themes about putting uh, Christ first in our lives. And it's a simple thing to say, it's a simple idea, uh, but we need to reevaluate that every day of our lives to be sure that that is where he is. And he is nowhere down the list, he is nowhere else, uh, but at the front of what we do and what we believe. Every time we, uh, I stand to speak, we assemble, uh, I'd like to begin the lesson time with a prayer, if you'll bow with me. Father, we're thankful for your love for us, we're thankful for the day that you have made. 
We are thankful that you sent your son to die for us. And we know that without grace and mercy, we would be lost, dead in our sins. But through Christ and his blood, we can stand before you clean one day to receive something we did not deserve, a place called heaven. And we look forward to that day with great hope, with great joy in our hearts. May we always put Christ first. May we always live for him and be bright lights in a dark world. Bless Laverne. Bless this congregation and all that they do, that they may continue to grow the kingdom in this area. Bless all of its leaders, its teachers, and these young people who are here this evening as they inspire us to be more enthusiastic in our love for you and, and growing in our faith. We're so thankful for every good and perfect gift. Forgive us when we sin. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a t-shirt you may have seen that says, it's only treason if you lose. <laughs> Picture Thomas Jefferson. You may have seen one with George Washington or John Adams, somebody like that. And, you know, it's treason when you go, you go after the, the, the powers that be in the government. Uh, but if you win, uh, then they say, well, you're, uh, it's not treason anymore because you won and you're in charge. You're setting the rules uh, for the country or whatever it may be. Uh, everywhere in life, we have a standard of loyalty that's been established, whether it's your workplace, at your school, at your congregation, whatever the case is, there are issues of loyalty. For us as Christians, there are issues of loyalty. There are issues of who's in charge. There are matters of lordship. There are matters of direction. You know the name Yogi Berra, the famous baseball player from the 1950s and the New York Yankees, known for his baseball career, but also known for the interesting phrases he would come up with to talk about certain things. He said famously, it's not over till it's over. He said a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. That's a good one. He said also in describing how to get to his house, when he was giving directions to some friend of, friends of his, he was describing how to, to get there, and he said, well, you're going to go down this road, take a left, take a right, and he said, when you come uh, to a fork in the road, take it. And what he meant by that was, he said, it doesn't matter if you go the left way, it doesn't matter if you go right, my house is at the end. You're going to get to my house either way you go. You're, you're going to get there. Whichever, you come to that fork in the road, just take it. Well, as Christians, we're not to just take whatever path. Uh, the Lord is very clear about that. Many people in the world today will tell you that, well, with Christ, everyone goes to heaven. Christ can't possibly judge anyone. Christ can't possibly allow someone to experience a place called hell, and we're not even sure hell even exists, they say. But it was Jesus at the end of his famous sermon, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, who said, no, 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 there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and many find it, and there's a narrow way that leads to life, and few find it, and you can't just go any way you want and get to heaven. There is no other system, there's no other person, there's no other way, but through Christ, he must be first. He must be the only path, he must be the only way. 
And you really always lose when you challenge the Lordship of Christ. It is something that you will always lose when you're an enemy of God. God doesn't lose those battles. And unfortunately, we live in a time when we consider ourselves, and I say we generally in society and the culture we live in, we make ourselves the Lord of our lives, and we expect Jesus to follow us. Where I go, Jesus will be behind me. Jesus will confirm me, will validate me, will make sure, will, will put a stamp of approval on what I do. Jesus follows in my steps. Well, that couldn't be more contradictory to what Jesus taught. We follow him. Where he put his foot, we put our foot. You've heard the phrase when people say, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to go there. You're talking of a conversation, topic comes up, I don't want to go there. When we're following the Lord, when He's first in our lives, when He is truly the Lord of our lives, we say, we always go there wherever Jesus went. And that may be in service of other people. It may be in a, a particular doctrine that He taught. To say, where Jesus went, we go there. And we're not afraid of what he taught, and we're not afraid of the way he lived, and we're not afraid of the, who he was as both the, the Son of God and Son of Man, fully divine, fully human. So this evening, I want us to start by looking at a few famous verses related to this subject of putting Jesus first. You know them. These are not unfamiliar. And not to take them out of context, not to just cherry pick verses, but you go all the way back to the very first commandment in the Old Testament. You shall have no other gods before me. In their world, those may have been Egyptian gods, the biggest name in the world at the time, the biggest power in the world, and a place they had just left. And no, those gods aren't above me. And later on, it may have been a Roman or a Greek god, or the, maybe a statue that Nebuchadnezzar builds up in this foreign land where God's people were living at the time. And he says, Hey, when you hear all the instruments, everybody needs to bow down and worship that. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, very familiar with this first command, and said, well, no. And I don't even know if God's going to save us. That's up to him. That's really not up to us. And there's really not that promise associated with this command. But we just know that's the command. And, and God is number one for us, and we serve him only. Well, we're going to throw you in the fire. Well, throw us in the fire. Maybe he will save us. Maybe he will not. We bow down to no one else. In the New Testament, I don't know of a better verse regarding this subject than Galatians 2.20, a song that, a verse you know, may be better because we put some music to it and we sing it, and you know it as lyrics. The Apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now think about those phrases. I've capitalized, I think, really the, the three main points of that verse where he said, I've been crucified with Christ. I put to death the flesh. I obeyed the gospel. I was buried with him in baptism. I've been crucified with him. Thankfully, the nails didn't go in my hands and my feet, and the crown of thorns didn't go on my head. He was the sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God for my sins. But because of that blood, I've 
became a new creature. I've been crucified with Christ. And then he said, Christ lives in me. What a statement. I don't know if you've ever come close to saying something like that to someone. We might feel like we, we aren't confident enough to say something like that. Apostle Paul said, Christ lives in me, and now I live by faith. And so I go where the Lord goes. I go there. If Hebrews 11 teaches anything about all those great people from the Old Testament and that great hall of fame of faith, what did those people do? They said, I go where I'm told to go. I live by faith. I don't live by what makes sense. I don't live by safety. I don't live by cultural approval. I live by faith. And hopefully one day when you pass from this earth and a lot of people get together and have what we call a funeral, that someone will stand up and just say, well, among all the details of their life, what stands out the most is they live by faith. And whatever came their way, they said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know also simply Colossians 3.17, another statement of Jesus is first. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all, not just what's on Sunday, not just when everybody's looking, not just when it's convenient, but whatever you do, whatever, whatever, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. If that isn't a verse about putting the Lord first, I don't know what is. We could look at so many more. But this is what we're talking about this evening and what this series is all about all throughout this summer. But what does this look like to put Jesus first? We can say that and it sounds good and we, you can read that on a bumper sticker. You must put Jesus first or I put, well, but what, is it, what does it really look like? Well, the Bible tells us we love him above all others. We put him above all others in our love. No, one's, no one is loved more than him. Mother and father are not loved more than him. That he is supreme. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. The second commandment he said is like it, you love your neighbors yourself. All love, the most love goes to him. And why is that? Well, because we're sinners and man. Kind men and women can change their mind. Men and women can lose their minds. And if you love someone on this earth more than you love Christ and leave the Lord, you're going to walk right behind them because your greatest love is for them and you'll be their disciple. And Jesus said, no, no, no. The greatest love has to be for me. You love your mother and father. But let's remember the commands, honor your father and mother. He very, God very much wants you to love your parents. Love your neighbors yourself but no one more than me. That's one way in which it, we see it, the way it looks. You also have to remove all the idols. Oh, could we look at so many passages related to that 
in the Old Testament when the good kings came along was one of the first things they always did. You got to tear down the idols. You got to go to the high places where they learned that from the pagans. You know, you get on the high hills so the, the gods will see your sacrifice so they can get a good look at it. Now, just one of those passages from the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Now, on the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the astra that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. Take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the astra, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. He did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. But he did it. He said, these people aren't going to approve of this, and daddy's not going to like it. But God says, tear down the idols, so I tear down the idols. And we don't have the problem of Baal today, and we don't have the Astra problem, but we have idols. We have, make idols of people. We make idols of cell phones. We make idols of sports. We make idols of anything and everything. And when those things go away, when those things get altered, all of a sudden we get nervous and we get anxious and we say, where did that thing go that I love so much? Where did that person go that I love so much? Why doesn't God care anymore? Maybe we've made these things and these people too much of an idol. And we practice discipleship. That's what we talked about earlier, that where Jesus goes, we go. We go there. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.21 that he's our example in all things, that we may follow in his steps. That we look to Christ and say, what would, what would he have us do? I go where Christ goes, is discipleship. And we say, not my will, but his be done, just like Jesus prayed in the garden shortly before his death. They say, I've got a will, and the Lord has a will, and where those things meet, that's what happens. But if it's my will and his will, his will always prevails. And I endure that, and I accept that, as difficult as that might be, or as wonderful as that might be. But we always live by God's will. And we truly be his disciple. We have to take up our cross. Those people in Jesus' day, they saw these convicted criminals who were going to be executed carrying their cross. It was something they saw. I can't imagine seeing somebody crucified today, and I can't imagine that person having to carry their own cross five feet, much less to the top of a hill. They knew what that looked like. They knew what the, the pain was like, and Jesus said, to follow me means taking up a cross. It means enduring, enduring that persecution. The life with me and the steps that I take are not always smooth. But they lead to a great reward. And they are the steps that one needs to take to be saved. But let's get even more practical than that and what this thing about putting Jesus first looks like in today's setting. Think about attendance of church services. You have heard a thousand lessons on that and a thousand encouragements on that. 
if you've been in the church any number of times, and you are here on a Sunday evening, roughly the first full week of summer, and you're thinking right now, why are you talking about this? <laughs> We're here. We're here when we could be somewhere else on a warm summer day. You're preaching to the choir that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, somebody said, the reason you preach to the choir, it's the only way you get them to sing. And the attendance on a Sunday night in the summer ever slacks at Laverne, it's because you stop attending, you. Not the others that already aren't here, it's because of you. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you how many services to attend and count up. The elders here aren't going to do that, and Joshua's not going to do that. We're not going to have a chart, and this is how many you got to be to, to be in a right relationship with the Lord. We're going to make rules where the Lord didn't make rules. We're not going to be Pharisees about it. I want you to think about this. I want to just talk to your heart for a minute. Hebrews 10.25 is the famous verse related to this. Do not forsake the assembling yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see in that phrase in the middle of that verse, as is the habit of some. So we can talk about that. That is in the Bible. And you might say, I have a habit of missing two Sundays a month. I have the habit of not coming on Wednesday night to Bible study. I put something else in that part of the calendar. What if your spouse came up to you after service this evening and said, we need to break the habit of that. We've made a habit in our attendance of not being here. And let's, for the next six months, do everything possible to be in worship and Bible study. Let's just do that. Let's together make that a priority that we're going to see to the end. Let's say six months, we're going to make every effort to do that. What would your reaction be? Would your instant reaction, knee-jerk reaction be, that's legalistic? Would it be... And we can't do that. You know how many things we've got to be doing. It's not possible for us to do that. Uh, and that's just us going to be in the building. And if we really don't want to be there, then we don't need to do that. Would that be the reaction? Or would the reaction be, you're right. We need to break that habit. We've made too many excuses. We put other things in the place of that. And I don't think of a better place to be than be around Christians to encourage one another, as the verse says, the great benefit of assembling. And we need more of that in our lives and less of all these other things we put in that place. So how would you react if somebody were to put that forward and say, let's make this something of more of a priority in our lives? What about your morality. How many people, once they reach a certain age to participate in a certain activity or once the Supreme Court says something about something, they say, well, it's legal now. I guess that's for me. Let me try that. Let me experiment with that. Let me get involved in that. Now, I know the Bible says a lot about not being a stumbling block, 
And maybe my behavior in this may cause somebody to participate in that and that may draw them away from the Lord. Yeah, but they say it's legal and most people do it. And let me start there and then work backwards to God's Word. See, we put Jesus first in our lives. We think, what is the, what's the Lord's will? Is this a way to shine a brighter light in this world or a dimmer light? Amen. Is this something that's going to draw people to, people to the Lord or push them away? It doesn't matter to me if it's legal or illegal. It shouldn't matter if it's illegal. We're not going to do it. We want to be good citizens. Well, we consult God's Word first, His will and things mattering and when it comes to morality and ethics and things along those lines? What about our financial issues and how we handle money? A lot of people grow up in the church and they see their grandfather or grandmother give on a Sunday morning and give a handful of dollars that were out of their pocket. And so when you get a job and that's how much you give, and he said, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me, and your earnings and your assets dwarf what was your grandparents and you have prospered far better than they could ever imagine and your salary has increased over your working years but the giving never changed and the giving not just when the plate gets passed or the basket gets passed but just in seeing those in need who need some support, who need some help have you ever noticed that we're really good about being rich Monday through Saturday and acting really poor on Sunday? And through the week, if I want it, I will get a loan. I will find it. I will pay that thing off. I got to have it. Oh, I got the money for it. Hey, I got laid off. Can you help me out a little bit? Oh, well, don't have it. Well, hey, the, the elder said that we need to have some, raise some extra funds for a missionary who came in and gave us a presentation. I just don't have it. You know, I give every Sunday. and We're thinking about those types of issues and really saying, is, is the Lord the priority in, in some of these? And we could list many more areas of our faith. But why do we do it? Turn to the Sermon on the Mount. Very briefly, just a couple of points, a couple of things to see from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, Matthew 6 and 7. Why put Jesus first? Because it's impossible to put two things first. Jesus said that. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth or God and mammon, that Aramaic word. He said you cannot say two things are first. You can't. You, you say, well, the Lord is first. Well, then this thing over here is also first. He said it's impossible. I am first and there's nothing on that same line as me. It has to be second. A distant second, at best. 
It is impossible to do both. So he says, look, why am I first? Because I am the Son of God. I'm perfect. I'm your Lord, the Savior. I'm the King of the kingdom. Why would you even want to put someone or something else ahead of the Lord? Because it's, it's impossible to do this. And so he makes another statement about his place in the kingdom. When he goes on in, in the same chapter, just a few verses later, he, he started talking about worry. You worry about these things that the Lord is going to provide you with. And he said things that don't even have a brain get things from the Lord and they get supplied and they get blessed. And of course the Lord is going to bless you. But you know how to resolve this worry issue? You've got to put me first. Because he says famously, but in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you have a horizontal view of life and everything you're consumed with is all about the down here and what I don't have and what I want to have and I'm pursuing all of this, worry, 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 worry. He said, put my righteousness first, put the kingdom first. We're going to start resolving that worry issue. And he says in the next verse, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. There's never a verse in the Bible you've agreed with more than that one. Every day we live, there's a certain amount of trouble. Jesus says, look at your daily bread. Have what you have. And it came from the Lord. And seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But putting the Lord first also going to save your soul. Because that's how he ends the sermon. Again, famously, you know these verses. Verse 21 of Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name did, and in your name uh, cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He's saying there's going to be a lot of people that talk, Lord. And they're going to give their good deed resume. And he said, we didn't know each other though. You can tell me all the good things that you did as, and put my name on them, but I didn't know you. Your heart was somewhere else. Your mind was somewhere else. Your motivation was for some other reason. Whatever the case may be, I didn't know you. I wasn't truly the Lord of your life. And the worst thing about judgment, as many have said, and the worst thing about hell is not the darkness and it's not the fire. It's not the destruction and all those things and the ways that hell is described. Someone wisely said it's the phrase, depart from me. It's when the Lord says, we'll never be together again. You go away. And that's the worst part 
of this whole issue. And so we'll end with this. Another part of the why. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. For Peter says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Step one. Sanctify Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That there's nothing or no one above him. He is it. He is the top. Then what? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. You know this verse. This verse has been discussed quite a bit. It's very easy to understand. There's nothing strange in it. There's no symbols. There's no tricks and, and things they think are tricks and trying to figure out and solve the puzzle of this verse. But I do want to notice one thing about it and focus on one part of this verse. After he says you need to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, you need to be ready to make a defense. We know that. We focus on that part of the verse. To everyone who asks you. We read this verse so often and take it as when you grab your Bible and you go have that Bible study with somebody, when you sit down and you go through a study that you're using to talk to them about the Lord and you tell them about the hope that is in you. But notice Peter says, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. I can assure you, when you sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, they will notice and they will ask. They will say, this is different. There is a hope in you that's not in him and that's not in her. There is a hope in you, a perspective of life, a contentment, a happiness, a peace that I don't have. <clears throat> Tell me about it. But that's not going to happen if we have not sanctified Christ as Lord in our hearts. If we don't do that, then the world is going to look at us and say, they're just like us. Because we have other gods. And we think Jesus is ninth or 10th or 11th or somewhere in there, but we're going to pursue all these other things and we're going to look just like them. But when Christ is truly the Lord of your heart, they'll ask and you'll tell them, and maybe one more person will have that hope because they'll obey the gospel and their sins will be washed away. And that's how we end our lesson time everywhere I've preached. I know they do here at Laverne. By simply asking, is the Lord, is Christ, is Christ the Lord of your heart? Is Christ your Lord? Is Christ your Savior? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? We don't know that there will be a tomorrow. 
Bible does not give us that guarantee. This is the day the Lord has made. And if it, there be a tomorrow, it's going to be if the Lord wills. We will do this or that. You have tonight to obey the gospel. You have tonight to ask for prayers from faithful people to encourage you, to restore you, to give you a little more hope, and just give you another shoulder, give you another support, and try to help in any way. There'll be a familiar face down here to receive you if you respond this evening. Whatever your need is, please come while we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.